Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. Before we begin worship, there are a few announcements. First of all, we'd love to welcome visitors, and especially first-time visitors. Do we have any first-time visitors today? If so, please raise your hand. We've got a little token for you to help you remember the church, give you a little more information about our church. None today. Should you need it, there's a restroom on the right-hand back corner of the sanctuary here. Um, there's a friendship register in each pew. If you would, please, make sign your name and pass it on to your neighbor. The nursery is over in the ministry center, and it welcomes children's age six and under at any time during the service. The flowers this morning are in memory of Caroline Bono by Townsend and Stephanie Clarkson. We'd like to welcome again Mark Coca as our guest pianist. Thank you, Mark, for filling in while Sherry's off. Christmas in July is an opportunity to honor family and friends while supporting some of our church mission. Following worship today, the mission gift committee will have gift cards for purchase to benefit the Good Samaritan Clinic, Food Pantry, Hands of Christ, and Love Him, Love Them. A gift card can then be sent to the individual in whose honor it was purchased. More information is available at the mission table outside. Today is the last day for that. The planning committee for Presbyterian women will meet at 10 a.m. in the ministry center tomorrow. And Tuesday brings the Stitch Sisters at 10 a.m. in the church library as well as a session meeting via Zoom at 5 p.m. Now let us attune our hearts to worship as we hear the prelude.
you stand and join me in the call to worship that you'll find in your bulletin? Sing praises to our God. Shout for joy, all the earth. Proclaim the Lord's glory. God's salvation is sure. God's faithfulness never ends. Let's bow our heads for the opening prayer. Extravagant God, you offer riches that no earthly pleasures can match. You pour out mercy and cover us with love. You show us true justice and offer us peace. You provide us with every need and promise us eternal life in you. In the midst of the glitz and glamour of this world, nothing and no one shines with your brilliance. Bathe us in the light of Christ. Illumine us with the Holy Spirit and enable us to live only for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's remain standing and sing hymn 341. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
You may be seated. In our scripture today, we learn that the peace of Christ is knowing how to store treasures in heaven. Let us seek that peace as we offer together our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Loving God, you show us the blessedness of seeking things that are above, but our hearts are captured by shiny objects that catch our eye and capture our attention. When we lose sight of our priorities, heal our desire to get our share. Help us store up treasure in heaven rather than here on earth. Forgive us our sins and renew us in your spirit this day. Let us continue to pray in silence. Amen. May we stand together again. Hear these words from our God. I cannot give up on you. My compassion grows warm and tender. When my children come trembling, I will bring them home. Friends, believe in the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. May be seated. Please bow for the prayer of illumination. God, feed us with the words of Holy Scripture. Christ, quench our thirst with the living water. Spirit, renew us as we wait to be reveled with Christ in glory. Amen. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the balls and offering incense to idols. 
Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, and they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from them. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admar? How can I treat you like Zebulun? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal. The Holy One is in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord, who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt, and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return to their homes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. to come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. It's good to see you. I know that you talked about our next story in Sunday school this morning. But I want you to put your listening ears on again when we read it here in a few minutes with the whole congregation. Um, the story is one of Jesus' parables. And Jesus tells the crowd that there was a man that had a lot of stuff. He had so much stuff that he didn't know what to do with it all. So the parable says that he tore down his barns and he built what? bigger barns so that he could put all of his stuff in those barns. And he told himself, eat, drink, be merry, for I've got all this stuff. All of my needs are taken care of. Why do you think Jesus tells us that story? Did you talk about it in Sunday school? What, did, what were some of your thoughts on that? Sharing. Maybe he could have shared some of that stuff and not just put it all Behind a locked door, yeah, that's right. Give some, some of his money to the, the poor, the people that need it more. That's exactly right. So in the parable, Jesus tells the crowd, he says, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Instead, store up heavenly treasures. And that's kind of a funny way to think about it, but... I think one of the things that we learn is that all of the stuff that we have here, and if, if we look at the story, I think it says that he has grain, doesn't it? He says he has some, oh, it's crops. He has crops, and crops are food, right? What happens when you have, let's just say, a loaf of bread, and 
You go to the store and you forget that you've got bread at home and you buy another loaf of bread. And then all of a sudden you got these two loaves of bread at home. Are we gonna eat that much bread? Well, I might, but yeah, um, probably not. What happens when the bread sits on the counter for a couple of weeks when we don't eat it? It rots, yeah, it gets moldy. It doesn't stay good for us. And I think that's what Jesus is kind of trying to tell us, that there are things here on earth that we need and there are things that um, we can store up and even share some of those things with other people, but it really doesn't do us any good to amass great portions of it. In fact, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't say, give us today all the bread that we need for a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month. He said, give us today what? Our daily bread. Yeah, God's going to give us what we need for each day. So it's hard because we want to store those things up. We want to get all that stuff in our house so that we feel secure. But that's putting our trust in that stuff and not putting our trust in what God gives. And like you guys so expertly said, when we have a bunch of stuff, we have the opportunity to share it with others, others that maybe need it more than we do. So it's a hard lesson, it really is, and I promise you this is a harder lesson for the adults in this room than it is for you guys today. But we're all in it together, and so let's have a prayer asking God to help us remember this story. Dear God, we are so thankful for your parables that teach us about life and teach us the ways that Jesus would have us live. It is very hard, Lord, to not want to store up all of our goods and keep them for ourselves, but we know that you call us to share and you want us to trust in you for our daily needs. So help us remember this story and live the way that you have shown. We love you. Amen. Thank you very much for doing good listening and for listening in Sunday school today. You can return to your pew. The reading today does come from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Hear again God's word to us this day from the book that we love. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to them, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, to th he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. 
and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you alone, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So much like the children learned today, this passage from Luke's gospel is pretty straightforward. Not a lot of hidden meaning or the need to discover either historical or literary context from an exegesis to pick up pretty clearly on the point. Jesus asks the rich fool and us, which is better? Amass wealth here on earth or store up heavenly treasure? We all know we can't take our stuff with us when this life is over. Yet the comforts of this world, well, they're pretty alluring. And this is an age-old conundrum. It affects us probably as strongly today as it did those in Jesus' time, and I imagine will challenge our future generations as well. If you've spent any time at all speaking to my 11-year-old son, Ross, you'll know that right now he is an avid car enthusiast. He loves all cars, but is particularly interested in the ones that are fast and expensive. He's constantly playing this game, asking me, Mom, if you could have one, which car would you choose? And then he goes on to give me examples like a Lamborghini Countach or a McLaren Elva, an Aston Martin Vulcan or a Ferrari FXXK Evo. His favorite always makes its way in there, a Bugatti Chiron Supersport which, by the way, is $3.9 million. <laughs> or the most expensive car on the market today at $28 million, a Rolls-Royce boat tail. Now, my response to this game makes him groan every time because I always answer the same way, saying, I would choose a Subaru which is my current car and the car that I can afford. Now, I have been told by him many times that I obviously don't understand how to play this game because it's about the car that we desire. We don't have to answer realistically. And believe me, I get it. I want to play the game. It's fun lusting after these really nice cars. 
However, I know in my lifetime I'll never own one. So for me, maybe it's better, maybe it's safer just to keep my eye on that car in my driveway. However, if anyone wants to give me a Maserati, I wouldn't say no. So Ross continues researching these cars. He builds models of them out of Legos, and he dreams of these fine things in life. There's nothing wrong with that. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus condemn ownership of a Bugatti Chiron Supersport? Yet Jesus does speak extensively about wealth. In fact, 11 of his 39 parables use money or wealth as some emphasis in the story, including our parable today. Money from the Spanish peso to the Chinese yen, the American dollar to the Israeli shekel, money is a part of our world. We use it to buy and to sell what we need. We use it to help others. And before currency existed, we used goods themselves to trade and do the same. And Jesus, to my knowledge, never condemns money itself or the trade of goods but he does condemn using them to disadvantage others or to put them in a place of priority in such a way that might divert our own loyalty and love, making money an idol. I've often wondered that in the parable of the prodigal son, that financial piece of the story when the younger son sought and was rewarded a great fortune from his father, that piece is rarely addressed. Sure, we criticize him for spending it, as the text says, in dissolute living, but this is a sub-theme of this parable at best. Jesus is more focused on the point that this son left his father left his father's house, left his father's protection, and depended on that money instead. And despite this, we learn through this story that the prodigal son, as well as all of us today, will always be welcomed back home, no matter what the terms of our departure might have been. You see, the highlight of the story here is God's grace when the son returns asking for forgiveness. Now, we can assume that this father was a very wealthy person, very rich indeed, and his sons would have been wealthy by relation. Yet it was not the money but how his son let that wealth divide their home, separate them, that mattered. And then in the end of the story, with the extravagant party, we see how the father's generosity with his wealth, his generosity is what brings them all back together, not just as a family, but as a community that celebrates together. 
in another one, in the parable of the day laborers in the vineyard, Jesus tells that each day laborer is paid the same wage at the end of the day, no matter when they started their work. Matthew chapter 20 recounts that the workers who began early in the morning, well, they were pretty upset, citing that it was unfair for those who only worked one single hour and they received the same wage as they who had worked all day I mean I can certainly understand their frustration we all can but again Jesus doesn't point to the value of the money anymore that he pointed to the value of the money in the prodigal story but again how that money divided them, how it created dissension amongst the day laborers. In this parable, the grace is that we are all shown that we receive the same reward no matter when we finally show up, no matter when we make our way back home. And so I ponder again how Jesus uses money and wealth to teach us lessons, bigger lessons about what's really important in life. Today's parable of the rich fool fits right in with these 10 other parables that use wealth as a story within a story and illumines what I think is a bigger lesson a young man was smart in business, and he made a killing. He accumulated great wealth, and at first, he traded in his Toyota Camry for a Lexus RX. He liked it so much that he got his girlfriend a new Porsche Cayenne. And he enjoyed the car so much that next came a Bentley, and before long, he needed to add on a new garage to his house because he had sights on getting a Mercedes AMG. And boy, the Mercedes was nice. It was fun. It was fast. It was too fast. Because when he needed it to stop quickly, the wreck was unavoidable. Now his garage sits silent with these fancy cars in it, and when folks shared memories of him at his wake, all commented on how amazingly nice his cars were. What a lucky guy to have had such nice things. This past Friday, I went to a wake service it was a new experience for me, the wake service for the Reverend Dr. McKinley Washington, Jr. He was one of our South Carolina statesmen serving in the House and Senate as a representative from here in the Low Country, but you and I probably know him better as the previous minister of our sister church, Edisto Presbyterian Church, where he was their pastor for 50 years years, retiring in 2012. 
Now, instead of a wake that I was familiar with where the family assembles and receives friends who offer condolences where the deceased may or may not be available for viewing, Friday's wake service for McKinley was a full service and lasted for about three hours. During that time, dignitaries and leaders and civic and religious organizations came up one after another to the pulpit to, to speak about and to remember Reverend Washington. The stated clerk of the PCUSA, Dr. J. Herbert Nelson, was there to reflect. J. Herbert Nelson, who is the highest elected official in our entire denomination, was there on Friday to join his voice with others who praised McKinley for his love, for his passion, for his witness to Jesus Christ, his commitment to truth and justice and equality, to his tireless work for the church and for the kingdom of God on earth. Speaker after speaker issued resolutions on behalf of the life and legacy of Dr. Washington for his efforts. Resolutions that will be forever recorded in the official church records, state and civic community records. And what was beautiful is that without fail, each speaker after sharing their formal, uh, their formal presentation took just a moment of privilege to share a story about how McKinley had mentored them, how he had inspired or encouraged them, and how he loved them well. I didn't know McKinley that well. I met him several times at Presbyterian meetings or in other church events, but even in those moments, I knew I was in the presence of greatness. On Friday, I was brought to tears hearing how he had personally impacted so many people here on this island and even to the far corners of the earth by the way that he loved. You know, not a single person there mentioned what type of car he drove or the size of his house. No mention was made of any wealth that he had accumulated or not. But everyone knew of the treasure he stored up by a life well lived, a life that followed the example and teaching of Jesus Christ. And I left that service inspired and encouraged myself. Something that he had done for so many for so long during his living and was still doing even beyond the grave. Jesus asks us, in the things you have prepared, whose will they be? McKinley could have been the wealthiest person monetarily that I've known, but I wouldn't know. But there's no doubt that he is one of the richest men that I've known.
blessed to be a blessing. Last Sunday, if you were here with us, we looked together at the beginning of Hosea's prophecy in the Old Testament with its vivid imagery of an unfaithful Israel and a steadfast God. And today, Bob continued that reading, and Hosea again says that time after time, people forget the ways of God. They forget who they are in relationship to God. So in verse 7, it's heartbreaking but predictable when God declares, my people are bent on turning away from me. This was the story in metaphor that we heard last Sunday with the unfaithful spouse. But isn't it really the story that is repeated over and over in Scripture from the beginning until now? God creates us and God loves us unconditionally. God cares for us and redeems us when we misstep. God pursues us waits at home patiently for us, and yet we turn away again and again. I'm not sure I like this, but I read this week that another pastor said the Bible can be summed up as the story of our shame and the story of God's grace. And while we know this story that began in the beginning is still ongoing through us, we know how it ends. We know the father welcomes the prodigal home. We know the day laborers all receive the same reward. We know how it ends because we know who God is. And God does not give up on us. We may chase after nice cars or fine things. We may store up for ourselves treasures here on earth in all its forms and fashions available to us. We may be wooed by the appeal of a luxurious life. God is not going to give up on us. We have the opportunity to learn from these parables, to learn about how it's so easy to let our money or our wealth lead us astray or become our idols. We can look and see that there is a story beyond a story in these parables about how we rank and divide ourselves instead of sharing God's generosity that unites us. And I hope, too, that we have an opportunity to learn from the Reverend Dr. McKinley Washington, Jr., who for 50 years shared and showed this island and, indeed, the whole world what it looks like to, share, to store up treasures in heaven. May it be so. Amen.
In response to God's word, as it comes to us, we are bold to stand and declare what it is that we believe. Let us say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. May we unite our hearts in prayer. Holy God, we are aware that the world pressures us to accumulate more and more abundance. If only we had more, we believe we would achieve success. We worry about the future. If only we had more, we imagine we could finally relax. Remind us once again that we are your children. You created us in your image and gifted us for community life. You have called us and claimed us as your own. You give our lives meaning and you instill us with value as your people. Remind us, O oh Lord, of this good news. We pray for those who do not know the good news of their own value in your eyes. We pray for those who feel like they are running on a hamster wheel every day trying to get ahead and making no progress. We pray for those who are trying to prove themselves and constantly feel like they're falling short. We pray for those who are burdened by a false sense of independence, unable to ask for help or admit frailty. We pray for those who have been victimized by greed and selfishness. For all these, your people, we ask for the power of your good news to bring new life. This morning, Lord, we thank you for the life and legacy of McKinley Washington, for all the ways he served you by being a servant leader among us, for his witness to your justice, his care for your people, the inspiration he showed us in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, indeed, for a life well lived. Bless and comfort Beulah in her time of grief and all the Washington family who mourn his loss. 
guide us all to show our commitment to you as we remember the example he shared. Lord, you have knit us together into community. In Jesus Christ, we are renewed and the divisions among us are overcome. Grant us generosity to share our resources with one another. Open us up to receive the wisdom and gifts of our siblings in Christ. Clothe us with new life and enable us to live faithfully in this time and place. Hear our prayers, holy God, and respond with your grace. Now we join our voices to pray as Christ taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, God cautions us against storing up riches for ourselves. So let us consider these things and give as our conscience directs us. We receive our morning's offering.
Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for the riches of our lives and the richness of our lives. Bless these tithes and offerings that they might be used as expressions of your steadfast love for those in need, near and far, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is 276, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Friends, may the God who gives you every good gift bless you and keep you in the mind of Christ by the power of the Spirit who sustains and provides for all. Go in peace. Amen.